It's June, and my social feeds are full of happy graduates. Guy, are you seeing the same thing? Uh, happy graduates and wildfires in Canada. Wildfires in Canada. All right. Way to bring us down. Okay. So we've got good cop, bad cop already established. Um, but for those of you who are not in Canada or frankly on the East Coast, which is having some terrible pollution problems in the air. Detroit today actually has the second worst air in the world to New Delhi, India because of these fires. That is a pretty big indictment there. But let's focus on graduation. To those of you whose kids are winning state championships, heading off to college, throwing their mortarboards in the air, dressing up in beautiful outfits and getting pictures taken, congratulations for making it through. Guy, I believe your daughter just graduated kindergarten? She did. She's going to be a first grader next year. We're very proud of her. She's doing a great job. Did you, did you crow about your daughter's GPA in kindergarten? I don't know what my daughter's G. I don't know if you know if she has a GPA yet. Good. What's a good GPA these days? A good GPA is kept to yourself if your kids are in college. There is a public service announcement for you from Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Gee, what are we talking about today? Well, I mean, there's nothing else to talk about except more AI. We've done the AI. We're doing more AI. We're also going to talk about how much time and money you should spend on marketing. That's a question that's always coming up. And who should be on your marketing dream team? Building that marketing dream team, what roles do you need? A nod to our talk at Tech Show. But first, make the world go round. Money makes the world go round. And welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, teaching you how to promote, market, and make fat stacks for your legal practice. Here, on Legal Talk Network. All right. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Let's hit the news. Oh boy, Gee, a great article coming out from Joe Patrice on chat GPT and bad lawyering. There's no way we we're going to let you guys get into the podcast without talking about AI and the pitfalls. Guy, what's the story about ChatGPT and some really bad lawyering? Lawyer uses ChatGPT to cite cases that don't exist, I believe, or bad law or something. And, um, you know, as Joe mentions in the article, to me, it's like, this isn't really an AI story at all. This is a bad lawyering story. This would be no different than if they pull, as Joe mentions in the piece, if they just pulled the first 10 results from Google or something and said, oh, you know, I don't know that this was not reliable. Be careful with that AI. In the hands of the inexperienced, you can get yourself in trouble or even just Just like every other technology, right? I mean, you know, be careful using your cell phone because if you accidentally share all of your clients' information on Facebook, you will also be a bad lawyer. Speaking of AI and... Lunch Hour Legal Marketing sponsor, Lawmatics. Guy, Lawmatics has just integrated AI into their product. What can you tell us about that? Because I know you're close to Mr. Spiegel. Yeah, super cool. I think, you know, again, with the proper guardrails and the proper, you know, use case, I guess, Lawmatics can help you write. It will rewrite emails. You know, it's, it's funny. I was just at this conference and this actually came up. And one of the lawyers said, you know, we've been using ChatGPT to write letters and you know you can 
do a filter to add empathy and stuff like that. And he said that it was doing a better job writing than most of the lawyers on his team in terms of writing letters. And I think that in the same vein, I think this this Lawmatics tool is going to be really powerful to help lawyers write emails and reword emails. Now, it's funny when you think about it. You're like, lawyers can't write emails. But the truth is, is that it does make it more efficient. It gives you different versions. You can, I'm sure as this evolves, you're going to be able to add different tones and intonations. And so check out the new Help Me Write feature at Lawmatics, L-M-A-I. And finally, I know you're very deeply involved in tech show. You're still involved in tech show, but not as much as you were before? No, I'm not. I am uh, uh, merely a humble fan and attendee of tech show. But I will say that June is call for proposals month. So if you're a lawyer or legal tech person or legal marketing technology person, and you want to start getting some recognition, become a thought leader, submit a proposal, contribute to the community. We'll put a link in the show notes, but I think it's a great opportunity, especially if you're just starting to build your professional profile, get involved with Tech Show, amazing community, submit a proposal to speak. Love to see some new voices. All right. After the break, when we come back, we're going to answer the timeless question, how much time should I spend on my marketing? Smart firms use CallRail to track where every lead comes from. PPC, LSA, organic search, or even offline ads. CallRail tells you which channels drive your best leads. CallRail even integrates with your favorite CRM or practice management tools to help manage your leads and see the ROI on your marketing investments. Know exactly which marketing tools work. Plans start at 45 bucks a month. We recommend CallRail to every single one of our clients. Go to callrail.com slash lunch hour now and try it for free. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app. So Conrad, I'm just recently back from Vegas from a 360 advocacy lawyer seminar, which I was very grateful to invited to speak by my good friend, Steve Gerson. Thank you, Steve. And one of the questions that was brought up at this seminar by a lawyer was, you know, how much time should I be spending on marketing, right? And this came up in um, Maximum Lawyer on Facebook. I think we... Yeah. Uh, alluded to that before, but it keeps coming up. What's the answer? How much time should we be spending? How much time should we be telling people to spend on marketing? Guess what? It depends, Guy. <laughs> does. I, you know, I look at this in, in a lot of different ways. Time and money are interchangeable, right? And so you may have a lot of one or the other, and you're really trading one for the other when you're thinking about how much time you want to actually put into this. And, and there's a spectrum of this. You think about the brand new lawyer, right? 
You got no money, you have a ton of time. So the first thing that you have to think about when you're dealing with time and money is you should be spending close to 100% of your time on marketing. And the reality is that will generate work without spending a bunch of money on pay-per-click or LSAs or SEO or websites or things like that, right? And so you can put that time into it. You then also get attorneys who are doing well. They don't want to put time because they want to be a lawyer. Their reality, they're kind of cognizant what they want to be doing with their time is lawyering, not marketing. And in those cases, you find those marketing channels that work really well when you just throw money at it. I'd use pay-per-click as an example of that, local service ads as, a, as an example of that. On the flip side, you have lawyers who are like, you know what? I, I talked to um, one of my new favorite positioning lawyers, Charlotte Town, the mermaid lawyer. And she says, you know what? She does all of her marketing is on social media. That is time that she puts into social media. She doesn't spend any dollars, but she does it through creating content. She's decided not to spend the dollars because she wants to put the time in. Flip side, you don't want to spend the time, so put the money in if you have it, but you got to have one or the other. And then finally, at the furthest end of that extreme ghee, I think you have the lawyers who have no desire to do anything with the practice of law, but they have really become CEOs. And they're spending both time and money on marketing their firm, and they're spending zero time on lawyering. And so my honest answer to you is, it really equates to how much of a growth mindset do you have? If you are a solo with a big growth mindset, put a lot of time and or money into this. If you are a solo happy kind of keeping the lights on, and you want to spend your time lawyering, you can do that, but your growth ceiling is pretty low. So I think I generally agree with most of what you said. Okay. There's certainly the spectrum from if you're brand new, you don't have any money, you're going to spend a lot of time trying to generate business. If you've True. got an established practice and you want to practice, then you're probably going to either delegate that to somebody at your firm. Maybe you're going to hire a CEO of your firm, like you said. Maybe you're going to hire a marketing person. Maybe you're going to outsource it. But I also think about a lot of the lawyers that we talk to, that we know listen to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. And for most of them, I think the answer is some combination of both. Sure. And the first thing that I think about is, if you're the face of your law firm, or if you're a small firm, it's going to be very hard for you to position your firm behind a trade name or a logo, I think. You need a lawyer to be forefront of the firm. And so that by and of itself, there's going to be some time spent on creating some kind of content, whether it's being active on sure. social media, whether it's creating video content. Now, how much time should you spend on that? You know, I think there's ways to be to batch, right? Record once and then chop it up. So from a tactical standpoint, if I had to twist your arm and you're, I'm like, all right, you're a four person law firm. Okay. And all the lawyers are running their own books of business. They're all running their own cases. They're generating their own cases. They're doing both. I'm, like okay. I, I'm, I'm assuming that most of our listeners are probably doing some combination of both. I'm just really trying to drive at the question of, for this listener persona, okay. I'm at a small firm. You know, I'm at a consumer-facing practice firm. I have to work some cases, but I also recognize I got to spend some time you know, how much time are we talking about? And I, and I, to the point, I totally agree with you. It totally depends. There is no right answer, but 
you know, one of the things that I'll just give you one answer, start somewhere, carve out five to 10 minutes a day and start getting active on social media. Maybe you're just engaging with people that you know in your local community on Facebook or something. But my thing is, is like, I think they get overwhelmed because they think about this like, oh, you know, I'm looking at some of the lawyers that you're talking about, these TikTok lawyers who are cranking out video after video. And they're just like, I can't keep up with that. So what's the point? And I don't know that that's the right way to look at it. I think you got to start somewhere. Start with a couple minutes here and there. And I always talk about like the small time. So, you know, you're waiting for motion call or maybe if you still commute, I don't know. You find some small time to like invest some time in it. But I just constructively, if you're going to do anything, I, I guess I would start with a few minutes here and there on social media. I think it can go a lot further than a lot of lawyers recognize. I mean, there's there's nuances to your comment. I think the the time that you spent on social media is often wasted because you're doing that part of it wrong, right? A lot of your time should be spent on connecting with people as opposed to just posting stuff that no one reads. So that's a different issue though. So it, so it is. when you say do spend yeah. the right time, right? Spend the right time. And, and I, that's the other thing that I wanted to, at least because there's another thing that came up in Vegas was this idea that it's a waste of time. And this idea of like, well, if you can't measure, you know, Hey, I posted on Facebook and I didn't get a click and a phone call and a hire. That was a waste of time. I don't. I don't know if I buy that. You. You. In fact, I will tell the listeners that you don't buy that. Guy does not believe in <laughs> if you can't measure it, you shouldn't do it. And I would one hundred percent fall into that camp. Interestingly, like my thoughts on this has really evolved, and I think it's the changing consumer behavior on the web that has evolved my thinking on this. But like, just because you cannot measure a direct, I will kick this metric all over the place. Because you cannot measure a direct ROI does not mean you should not be doing that thing. That is just absolutely insane. You are That is a very simplistic perspective on the world and the way the consumers behave if that's the way you think about things. It's just not the way the world works. But bluntly, I think about, I'm going to give you a very kind of MBA answer. This all goes into how aggressively you want to grow the firm. And my assumption here is that if you are trying to aggressively grow your firm, you should be spending as much time as necessary lawyering to keep your cash flow going and put everything else into growing your firm, right? If that's your objective. Now, that's not, I think your, your question here is, hey, Connor, that's not everyone's objective. Can you start out smaller than that? And the answer is yes. But the reality is when you're putting, and, and we used to, we've used this construct before when we're using your percentage of revenue that you're putting into marketing. It's the same thing. Money is time. Time is money. And it's the amount of revenue that you're putting into your marketing. But you know, for our, what we call the high growth businesses, they're putting over north of 25% of their revenue into their marketing, right? And so that is high growth. So to turn that directly into time, putting a quarter of your time into your marketing, if you have a high growth mindset, that is not insane. That is not insane. I like that benchmark. Yeah. 25% of your 25%. time. 25%. There you go. There you go. You heard it here first, people. And by the way, listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing counts for 25% of your time. In the marketing bucket? Yeah, because you're getting smarter by listening to us. Okay. 25% of your... But then the other part of this is like, yeah, you can spend 5 to 10% of your time on the, these types of activities or 5 to 10% of your revenue on these types of activities, and you're going to do a good job keeping the lights on but you're not in a growth mindset. Yeah, I don't know. I guess there's, I mean, you don't probably aren't intending to do this, but there seems to be this implication that if you're not spending a bunch of money, that you're not in a growth mindset. And I just don't buy it. There's a lot of lawyers out there that I know listen to this podcast that, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth. You can define growth mindset, but they're eager to grow. They want to grow. But the business model of many firms 
is not $20,000 a month SEO budget, is not $20,000 a month PPC budget. And they're doing just great. They're multi-million dollar firms. 100%. And this is, this is the key here. These things are interchangeable. Time and money, money and time are interchangeable. And you can really grow your firm if you put a ton of your time. What is the beauty of that social is happening right now, and we've talked about dark social in the past and all this stuff. The beauty of that is that you can grow your firm. So we talked about um, the examples that come right off my head are Dean Blashford in Toronto, the tax lawyer that we talked about, who does the baseball game, right? That's all he does. He puts a ton of time into that. Like that is the driver of his firm's success. I just mentioned the mermaid lawyer, Charlottetown uh, down in Florida. She doesn't put any money into advertising, but she puts a bunch of her time into content generation and connecting with people on social. And that is very, very, very successful. So I look at these things as interchangeable. What you can't do is not spend any time or money and then be pissed when your law firm doesn't grow. Makes sense to me. All right. When we come back, we are going to make our two picks for two members of your marketing dream team. Hey, Overcast users out there. We see you. Got a little bit of a bump from the Overcast crowd, and we appreciate you. We're always asking for Apple reviews. But you Overcast users can really help us out too. Go give this episode a star. And whenever you find an episode helpful, give it a star too. It really helps people like you find the show. So we will stop being so Apple review focused and give you some Overcast love. Thanks so much. All right. We're coming back. Guy and I did a presentation at ABA Tech Show where we outlined... 12 different roles for a marketing dream team. If we were to hire the marketing dream team for a law firm, there were 12 different roles that we included on that. We're going to highlight, I'm going to ask Guy to pick one and I'm going to pick one. Of the marketing, if you were to internally hire a marketing dream team, I've got my pick, Guy. Who's your pick and who do you want to talk about? I'm going to pick the local social butterfly. All right. Tell me more about the local social butterfly. What does this person do? How do you find them? And how do you deploy them in your firm? Well, and you know, we set this up as this would be a person you hire, which I think, you know, this is certainly could be a, a full-time role or part of a internal role. It could be somebody, you know, could you independent contract this, somebody in the local community, maybe. But the role itself is you're in the community, you know, you're building relations with local businesses, you're going to these local events, and you're using social media tools to demonstrate those connections. You know, maybe you're sponsoring. I think, again, even in, in, in the local context, maybe even there's some overlap with like the um, being a guest on local podcasts, but you're in the local community, socializing and connecting with folks. And, and again, this is the type of thing that lawyers have been doing a long time, but I think that the missing piece has been that they're bringing it online. They're getting better at it. You know, we've, we've talked about some examples of that, but this is a key role. If you serve a local community, you know, this is how you get that, you start building that brand affinity. People start knowing who you are, knowing what you're all about, and you're out there publishing on it too on social media. I like this role because one of the things you can do with this person, the ideal person for me in this role, they're already established. You're not trying to build relationships in a community. You're basically leveraging someone's pre-existing relationships in a community. And so you can do that through a really, really solid hire. And the other part of this, and, and these people are, 
if they're out there, they're easy to find because they're already involved on social, right? They're already very heavily involved in that community. And so you can identify them and reach out to them. And I do think this can be kind of that part-time gig. I think this can be, you know, an independent contract. This is someone who's maybe coming to back to the workforce on a part-time basis. This is someone who's the local videographer who does wedding videos during on, on, on the weekends, but doesn't have a, a daytime gig. But it's it's really finding someone to leverage their network to expand your own. I think this is a really, really good role. I've and I've seen I've seen lots of law firms very successfully look for these types of people. And they're easy to find. If they're out there, they're easy to find. Yeah. And if you're struggling to find one idea for looking for them is just go look for local hashtags, right? So if you're in a smaller city, even in, even a big city, but like, you know, go look for the hashtags around the geographic location. I know here where I am, there's a bunch of, whether it's photographers or bloggers or foodies, yep. just add your city to that hashtag and you'll, they'll start to pop up in your Instagram feed. Great role. This is a very good role. I don't think it's an expensive role and it can be amazingly effective. Cool. What do you got? You know what my pick is? I'm going to go the complete opposite side on the spectrum. I want to hire the mathematician. I want to hire someone who not only understands the business math of what we're looking for, you know, we, you and I talk about this all the time. You're looking for consultations or, or ideally clients instead of leads. They understand the business math of what you're getting to, but also someone who can stitch all the systems together to create the business math, which means they also understand where those systems aren't perfect. You and I talked about earlier on the podcast, you know, if you can't measure it, you shouldn't do it. Well, the really good mathematician understands that that is garbage, right? And that you should still be doing things even though you don't have a perfect avenue to the perfect formula because math is sometimes, the tracking is sometimes imperfect. And so the person who can understand that and understand the business metrics and drive those business metrics, key hire, really, really key hire. And that's probably going to be a much more expensive person than your local social butterfly. And if you don't have the budget for this mathematician, that role has to be filled within your organization. And you as a leader of your firm need to be making sure that that happens. So when you think about the mathematician in this context, are you thinking more like CFO or are you thinking more like marketing technology analyst? I think it's more the latter. So this is not a CFO. This is not someone who thinks about balance sheets or cash flow or, or accounting metrics. This is someone who loves call rail, right? And is going to get into the depths of how do I integrate call rail into my intake management software so that my data gets automatically pushed and again, I get really good information. This is someone who's going to try and understand, oh, this lead, this lead turned into a client and we don't really know where they came from. Is there anything we can do to find the data to determine why Mary hired us. And I'm going to go back and listen in on, on Mary's first phone call to see if I can answer that question. It's that person. It's the person who is going to lose their mind when your phone call answer rate drops below 97%. So it's not really a CFO role. It's a marketing analyst combination of technology, business insight, and kind of that dirty hands-on roll up your sleeves and answer the question when it's not right in front of you roll. I once wrote a piece, this is a long, long time ago, but I once wrote a piece about you need to hire optimistic marketers and pessimistic analysts. And this is someone who doesn't just believe the data that's put in front of them, but they want to know what's behind the data when it's put in front of them. Love it. And you know, 
I'm thinking about this mathematician, and it's it's interesting too because, like, as you mentioned, it's kind of the other end of the spectrum from the local social butterfly. Because, like, what's the ROI of the local social butterfly, right? Because you know, as you've talked about dark social many times, some of your qualitative intake questions, people might say, "I know the local social butterfly," right? Or I, you know, I listened to the local social butterflies podcast or saw them at an event, or that's how I heard about you, and that's great. But you know what I always wonder about is, and this is kind of like the challenge to the mathematician, is people are searching on your name. And the mathematician, they're going to be like, hey, if you got last click attribution in place and someone clicks on a branded search ad and they convert, yep. mathematician's going to be like, PPC, brand PPC campaigns paying off. If they click on an organic listing, you know, the mathematician's going to be like, SEO, the SEO plan's paying off. Right. But my question is, where does the mathematician put the, I came in, I, I searched on the name, it's a branded search, and the qualitative data is, I don't know how I found you. Where does that live in the mathematician's spreadsheet? So it was a branded click? It's a branded click. Okay. That, that kind falls of a, into- Maybe a brand bucket? Call a brand bucket? Well, so that falls into the big- brand bucket of I'm not actually sure which specific individual thing it was that made me call you. And the reality is there's not one individual thing. This is a mathematician who understands the reality of the multi-touch world. And, you know, back in the day, Guy, and this does not go that far back, but, you know, much of what we did was direct response. And it was easy to segment this stuff out. It's changed. The game has changed and we are dealing with multi-touch and we are dealing with the growth of brand awareness and brand affinity, right? And so the real mathematician understands that this is not a simplistic MBA answer to the, I need to draw an accurate pie graph of where all of our clients came from or I'm going to calculate the ROI of every single dollar we spent. They understand that that is not reality. And I think to understand that you need to have This is me generalizing, and I'll be mean to MBAs. The MBA who just got out of B-School thinks that you can draw that perfect pie graph and calculate the ROI down to the penny. The grizzled veteran understands that that is a fool's errand and understands that these things work together and trying to get to specificity on those things doesn't work. And so you want the analytical side that understands the reality of the world in which we actually function, but can also critically understand when things are not working or when things are an anomaly. And when things, and this is why I said kind of, you want that cynical mathematician to dig into where you think things are working or aren't working to really, really identify that. I think that's, I think it's such an important point because we keep hearing this, oh, they're not measuring you know, there's no attribution on it. And so therefore stop doing it. And I'm just like, that's so wrong. So if you don't have a brand bucket, if your mathematician doesn't have a brand, bucket, I think the brand bucket is a good way to look at it. Right. And even if you're, you're working with an agency, that's the other thing too, that we see all the time is the agencies will take credit (laughs) for the brand. Yes. And I'm like, no, no. Well, hold on. Go ahead. Let's go deeper on this. This is so disgusting. It makes me nauseous. I hate this industry. (laughs) The way they do this And especially if you do not have insight or look at your Google ads campaign, okay? They'll run an ad for your name. The click that is generated on that ad for your brand is generated by all the other stuff that we can't actually track. And the agency will then lump that in to the business that has been generated by your advertising campaign, which is utterly 
garbage bullshit. And they know that and they're pulling the wool over your eyes. So if you're not segmenting out brand among PPC and even SEO work, right? Like your agency is either stupid or deliberately pulling the wool over your eyes. No, they're you not stupid. They know. They know exactly. Some what of them doing. are stupid, Gee. Some of them are stupid. The other one that so I'm glad you called out um, SEO because I think that's the same same issue, right? Oh, yeah. organic traffic's up. Well, yeah, it's brand traffic, right? Yeah. If you're not segmenting brand non-brand traffic and organic, and then I'm gonna give you another one that's recently cropped up is you know we see some of the social media consultants now that are clumping paid and organic social media. Those two things are not the same thing. Facebook as a refer, Facebook.com as a refer isn't giving you nearly enough information because if you're if at your firm you're doing the local social butterfly thing and you're posting you know stuff on Facebook that's causing people to click through and call you from your organic Facebook stuff versus someone who's managing paid Facebook ads like you better be segmenting your organic and paid social media from each other as well, because they're going to be taking credit for all the uh, pictures of your kids graduating kindergarten that you're posting on Facebook. And they're going to say, look, we're generating all this traffic from Facebook. And this is why it's important to have the mathematician and the social butterfly, right? These are um, disk profiles that do not overlap very much at all. And so I do think this is important. The, you know, the, the agencies just do such a deliberate job in many cases of, of conflating attribution to make themselves look good. And and this is another reason why I like the mathematician as the in-house person who is a complete cynic because they're not going to believe the horse shit that a lot of agencies will try and shovel to you. See, I was going to say the opposite. I, I mean, I agree <laughs> with that point. That they, I agree that they, you should have an internal resource, but I was going to say, you know, we beat up on the agencies all the time, <laughs> but, you know, a lot of our listeners, they're, they're doing this themselves, in which case they should be beating up themselves because they just don't know what they're doing. But two... Even your in-house marketing person, right? If they're not segmenting this stuff and you're, you've got a marketing plan and they're supposed to be driving, whether it's non-brand paid search traffic, non-brand organic search traffic, or they're managing paid social, it's the same problem. And so it's, it's not necessarily just the agencies do this. And, and not everybody's doing it. You know, I, I was being very condescending to the agencies and saying they're doing it intentionally. And, some, and a lot of them are, you know, in Conrad's point, some of them just don't even know. It's very true on the in-house side of it, that, at least in my experience, Conrad, you can tell me if your experience is the same. But a lot of times, it's just a lack of knowledge on the internal, on the in, in-house side where they're like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Right. So it's a really important point to segment that brand both from a paid and organic search as well as a social media. Well, thanks everyone for spending some time with us. If you work at a digital marketing agency, I will put Guy's personal address in the show notes so you can send him a glitter bomb. <laughs> we will see you in two weeks. Be well. Happy graduation to everyone. Enjoy the beginning of this amazing summer. Thank you for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. If you'd like more information about what you heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Follow Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram.
If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.